the Sidelines Podcast, presented by Sports Management Laurier. Are you serious? All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. Um, I'm back here with Arian. And in our last episode, we talked about SML and kind of our events and initiatives. And then we also met Megan, our president. And now today we're going to be talking about Omicron and its effects on major sports leagues. So, hey, Arian, how's it going? going good it's been uh it's been a crazy few weeks in the uh, sports world yeah definitely um you look back in like the middle of december the nhl only had six games postponed and we're sitting here december 29th the world juniors gets canceled nhl players no longer at the olympics mm-hmm. um i know rachel's going to touch on a few things in the nba and it's been a crazy world to say the least um, yeah definitely um so i guess we'll just start off and kick it off with the world juniors um you know big controversial topic um so what are your kind of thoughts on that? And like, what was kind of the, the process that like kind of shocked the world, I guess? Yeah, I mean, um, when I first heard about it, I was, I, was, I was in shock. Like, you look at the World Juniors and it's kind of like a Boxing Day tradition. The first game always drops. And, you know, on New Year's, we had the Canada and Finland game, I believe. And I was excited for that. And, you know, you look at it in the eyes of the players. Like, I had friends at my high school that, you know, played in that in previous years or et cetera, like many young players in that tournament, like that's like an eye for them. Cause like for 80% of the players, that's probably the highest level of hockey they ever played. Um, you have a lot of scouts, teams, et cetera, all in one spot. Like you look at least the OHL, they get a lot, they got a lot of eyes, but you know, teams in like Russia, Sweden or any foreign country, like for many of those players, like that's the spot where they're going to make their name. And, you know, I, I was in shock. Like I wasn't expecting a cancellation. Uh, if I heard correctly, I, I think four people tested um, positive for COVID on the day of. I know yeah. the U.S. game got uh, I know the U.S. game got canceled, so that was one. And um, from there, it just went downhill. Um, yeah. But like it, you know, from the beginning there was uh, there was um, some weirdness to it. Like a few days before the uh, World Junior started, the Alberta government came out with like a few rules. Um, you know, beginning with like half capacity of fans. Now, it ended up being that like not even fifty percent of people came out to the uh, games, and it's kind of sad because if you look at like the World Juniors in like previous years, um, I know personally I went to World Juniors in twenty fifteen, and I was pretty young, but like I remember like the atmosphere. I went there in Montreal, and it was pretty insane, and like it's kind of crazy. You know, World Juniors don't happen too often in Canada, yeah. and when they do, like the Canadian atmosphere is insane, and you know, starting off at half capacity, no food, beverages, and, you know, people that bought, like, ticket packages, they were forced to only go to four games before it got canceled, and I don't know, like, right off the rip, it was, uh, it was a different, it was a different game, especially because, uh, you know, this year's World Juniors was supposed to be the year to make up for the financial loss in the previous year with the bubble, like, yeah. the, um, you know, the, the association was really taking a hit with, like, the with no with the bubble no fans etc so this was supposed to be a year to bring back the revenue and um you know it, it was said that like the uh the city of edmonton lost 27.5 million which is a crazy number for like yeah. only a few a few days into the tournament and yeah. um that's where we stand now like i know there's rumblings today that the world juniors might get uh might might happen in the summer but you know, like I can speak for every hockey fan. It's, it's not the same because you look at look at Boxing Day, you wake up for the first the first World Junior game, right? It's mm-hmm. in the winter, the players are out. Then you have the New Year's game. Um, in the middle of summer, you have the U18s, you have the World Championships, playoffs just ended. It's, it's a weird time. Yeah. Um, 
Reminds me a lot. Reminds me a lot of the uh, 2020 bubble when the playoffs happened the summer and like, yeah, it was cool. It was the first time hockey is around in a few months, but yeah, it's not the same seeing hockey in the uh, summer. There's other sports going on, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I think that even as like someone that doesn't follow hockey too too closely, like it became like a huge thing, especially like with the news and a bunch of other platforms on social media, and people were kind of taken a shock by it, right? And you know it's kind of become something that's now become super controversial and, you know, people have so many opinions on it. Um, but one question that I had about it was more along the lines of if you thought that the IHF made the right decision in canceling it. Um, and if you thought there was like any intel about how severe the spread of COVID would be and how severe the spread would kind of affect um, in terms of, like, I guess the world juniors and obviously the Olympics are coming up as well. So just wondering what you think about that. And if you thought that, you know, they could have, you know, predicted that. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's like, a, I think the major question coming out of this event is like, was it, was the association too optimistic about COVID with having no bubble this year? Um, and did they not acknowledge the spreadability of the variant? And I see both sides of it. I think um, there's definitely could have been a plan B just in case if some of this arose. But, you know, you look at the uh, logistics of it, um, you know, they had, a hand, they had a handful of rules that, you know, in terms prior, like this is the third, I think, term they held. I'm pretty sure they held the Olympic qualifier, the World Junior Division One, with the same restrictions they had in this year's World Juniors, right? So you look at it, the second week of December, NHL only had six games postponed. Mm-hmm. The, the Olympics was still in plan for the NHL players. So that's around 12 days notice that uh, at the time, the Omicron didn't seem like a, like a big issue. And then you flip it to December 29th. And, you know, by then the U.S. team all tested positive. Everything's getting canceled. So I think um, I think there's two sides to it. Like, as a fan side, like, I was obviously pissed off. I was upset. <laughs> um, and I'm sure a lot of players, like, I couldn't imagine the players itself by uh, – I don't know if Rachel's going to know this, but there's a pretty uh, funny incident going on with the Russian team off the plane. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it in the podcast, but <laughs> um, yeah, like I know the players are pissed off. Um, it, it's a it's a hard situation because, uh, like I mentioned, like the association's done this before. They it's yeah. kind of hard to tell. Like I don't know if you could ask anyone December 10th if you thought that you know by mid January Ontario's going to be in the fourth lockdown. Like it's, yeah. it's a pretty hard tell. So um, yeah, definitely. I can't say if they made the right or wrong decision. I feel like it was definitely a panic move. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to remember that these kids are 18 or 17. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be putting their health at risk. And when it is in Canada and there are major restrictions, uh, there's yeah. not much we can do. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's kind of not just the, you know, unpredictability of, these sports leagues themselves and their associations and you know the organizations that they fall under but it's also just COVID itself right like it's so unpredictable there's always new variants coming out um, and you never know how you know severe or not severe it's going to end up being not just for the general public for but for you know um, big events like these where it's like you're holding you know thousands tens of thousands of people in one you know area at once right so you never know how that's going to be um, affecting not only the players and the organizations and the general public. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of up in the air. And like with Canada, you know, having all of these like 
restrictions come out pretty fast um and omicron's yeah. like kind of creeping up on us pretty fast like i can see how you know it could have been almost like a panic move because i don't think anybody could have predicted the fact that omicron was going to come this fast and spread this fast and have this but this big of an impact yeah in a sense like the association they were playing catch-up since day one because of how you, how unpredictable it was and you know, if you think about it, like there might have not been a win-win situation. Like they canceled the tournament. Okay, the tournament might happen in the summer, as we talked about earlier. But you know, let's say there's a world that the World Juniors is still going on. Um, and like, it's like the day before the gold medal game, and like you know, it's Canada versus like Russia, and like half the Russian team, half the Russian team tests positive for COVID. So you have like the Russian B team against yeah. Canada's A team, right? Like, yeah. Um, again, I know Rachel, you don't follow hockey too much, but I know. In the 2020, the pandemic cup, what a lot of people like to call it, um, <laughs> yeah. when everyone was in a bubble and the Tampa Bay Lightning won their first Stanley Cup, there was a lot of backlash. Like, yeah, they won the Stanley Cup, but it was no real cup. You know, it's yeah, it was it was a pandemic cup. Like, I personally, like, I often forget that season even happened because after it got canceled in March, like that March to like July, August, just seems like a blur. So. Yeah. It, it might not have been a win-win because the team that won made might have not got the same credibility that a world junior yeah. team like two, three years ago would have had. Or, you know, a situation that is now where there's a lot of fans that they thought they got robbed. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of ticket, there's a lot of season holders that bought tickets to all games that feel mm-hmm. like, you know, they most likely would have got a refund, but they're still visibly upset. There's a lot of families, a lot of players, et cetera. But hopefully the, uh, the games in the summer are fine and, hopefully it receives the same hype that the world juniors deserve yeah and I think that was a similar situation to um even the bubble in the NBA right like I don't think that people and the fans were as engaged in terms of when you know we had the playoffs and like the Bucks won right so it was kind of like well I think that was like recently for the Bucks, I guess oh yeah I was gonna say the uh pandemic the NH- the NBA one was that was the Lakers right yeah yeah the Lakers when they, yeah. had, when they had the celebrities on the uh the virtual board <laughs> yeah so, like, even both of those teams, I think, it was, like, kind of hard to keep up with it, especially, like, me being a fan, too. It was, like, kind of hard to keep up with it because you just didn't feel like it was the same vibe, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, like, you know, there were some teams that I don't think the Lakers have won in a, quite a while. And Milwaukee, I think this is their first championship. So it kind of also ruins that credibility. Maybe not, you know, necessarily for the players. I think the players are obviously, like, super talented. Um, yeah. You know, especially Giannis, like, he – has definitely proved himself um but I think that it kind of hurts because that credibility is lost especially once you're playing amongst like a pandemic and you're playing on like all these you know kind of off procedures and off rules um and like you know you're not playing at the same caliber that and against the same players that you would have if everyone was healthy and that if there weren't any protocols that were stopping players from playing um mostly it was just you were just relying on injuries you know what I mean like when you were just when there was no COVID right so um now there's like an additional element that you kind of have to keep in mind that makes everything a lot more complex so um yeah definitely can be applied for not only you know the world juniors and NHL but also the NBA but um yeah do you guys do you want to talk about also like what the NHL kind of looks like um I know that there's like I don't know if there's like any discrepancies between like you know how the world juniors kind of panned out and what it looks like in the NHL now, but um, if you want to talk on that. 
yeah so i mean like flashing back like i went to a i went to a leaf penguins game in the end of november and you know full crowd it, it seemed like the nhl was going back to normal at the time the nhl i don't believe had any any postponed games and uh as the spread of omicron arose um we were looking at, at the season being paused between i think december 23rd and december 30th um and since then there's been 93 games postponed um, you look at my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you have players like Brian Rust, who had nine game, had nine points in three games, I believe, and now is sitting out with, uh, mm-hmm. with COVID, right? Like, it's a, it's an interesting league. Like, many teams are working with it. Um, like, the Calgary Flames, their whole team tested positive during, in, during the Christmas oh. break, so they had to postpone yeah. the game. Like, it's an interesting league because you, have, you can have a player that's, like, red hot, and then, boom, mm-hmm. gets COVID, and it's out for, like, a week. And, like, that yeah. can really affect the player's mental because like once you're on you're on right so mm-hmm. um and like like i like like we have here like the nhl reintroduced the taxi squad which we'll talk further about on how brad Marchand feels about that but um essentially the taxi squad like an extra six players a team can travel around uh before the COVID area the taxi squad was something that the nhl teams had during the playoffs um as many hockey fans know the playoffs can be a pretty rigorous time yeah. physicality is up players are getting injured you can't be calling up players in the AHL NHL back and forth so the taxi call is usually a set of players that practice with the team they all come to team meetings etc and uh, if there's any emergencies they get called up and yeah. that's what's what that's what's been introduced um you know this happened in the 2020 season and uh it's back so like the league's taking measures to ensure that games are not getting postponed it's, it's definitely going to be hard because like like we said like Omicron once one person has it, the whole team has it yeah, so, for sure. And, and like, yeah, mentioning taxi squad, that's going to be our keyword of the day. Um, so yeah. I hope that, you know, some of our listeners have seen our Instagram as well. And, um, you know, you can probably get a quick shout out. Um, we're going to be doing some giveaways soon um, with our keywords of the day uh, for each of our episodes. So um, make sure you keep tabs on that. And for our next one as well, um, you know, you might get a cool giveaway. Um, but yeah. So we mentioned the NHL. Um, you know, we talked about how it's like an uneven playing field. Like, I think Rachel can talk more about this. You can talk with the Broca Nets. Like all season, they've been playing with Kyrie Irving, who hasn't got vaccinated. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now he's a part-time player. I guess Rachel can talk more about like the NBA protocols and the Kyrie yeah. situation. Yeah, this is kind of new, actually. Um, something that you know people, you know, were kind of waiting on to see how the Kyrie situation was going to play out. Um, I know probably people, some of our, you know, listeners probably know about the fact that Kyrie um, has chosen not to get vaccinated. And that's kind of um, something that's caused him a problem entering back into the NBA and playing again. Um, So now I think because of Omicron um, and obviously now with the NBA kind of shortening their COVID procedures, like they used to be in quarantine for, I think, 10 days, and now they've kind of shortened that to six, kind of in line with, um, you know, the shortening in the general public. I think we've cut down to five for quarantines as well. So he's now being considered as coming back as a a part-time player. Um, The only reason that is, is because um, there's not any vaccine mandates Mm. amongst a lot of the states in the U.S. Um, There's only two places that he essentially can't go to. Um, which is Toronto um, because of the vaccine mandate, as well as New York City. And both of those areas are very high in terms of, you know, um, infections um, and cases. 
Um, so that's the only two places that he's not able to go. But any other away game, um, he's allowed to go to. So he obviously can't play at home, which kind of sucks for, you know, the fans um, wanting to see the big three play again together. But um, that's kind of where Kyrie stands at this point. But they haven't really, you know, put anything set in stone yet in terms of how he's um, planning to come back, how he's going to reintegrate with the team and whether that's going to be affected. Right. So that's one question that I kind of have as well is the fact that, you know, if you have one unvaccinated player playing with a bunch of other vaccinated players that are going to play in their home stadium, how does that kind of, you know, how does that dynamic kind of work out? Right. Um, Does that affect anything? Right. So I think that's one thing that the NBA kind of has to consider and especially his organization that he has to, that they have to consider is how is, how are they going to balance that? Right. Yeah. Because you look at the owners too. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to see how, like that's going to play out really. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where it stands, but I hope that we get some more information soon on that. Um, Cause maybe, um, you know, a lot of other players um, could again, come in part-time players and stuff like that. Um, I know that Kyrie is not the only one in this situation. So. Yeah. So like, does, uh, does the NBA have their own little uh, taxi squad going? I know like some retired players have come back. Uh, yeah. Talk more about that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So um, obviously the NBA, I think a lot of people know that um, that specific league has very rigorous protocols in terms of testing and quarantining. Um, I think that the protocol as of like what I've heard last is that um, I think players have to get tested every day. And if they do test positive, they have to um, quarantine until they get to uh, until they get two negative PCR tests. Um, but they have been integrating rapid tests as well. So that kind of like messes up the whole process because obviously PCR tests at this point are kind of really hard to get. I think, especially like in Toronto, that's kind of the case. So, um, they kind of, they kind of are relying on those rapid tests and, you know, there have been issues with them and the fact that they were giving, um, false positives. Right. So there has been some players that are being put in quarantine, um, and waiting for a PCR test. Um, to confirm that when when they get that PCR test back, they are negative twice. So um, it kind of, you know, hurts that reliability and also hurts like, um, you know, the whole scheduling of things. Um, because I know fans are especially let down when, you know, a superstar player that's supposed to come um, doesn't show up because of a false negative. And if they hear that, they're like, oh, like, that's kind of like, you know, disheartening to hear about, right? So like, for example, um golden state they were supposed to come to toronto recently um and it was kind of after you know stephen curry um broke the record for the three pointers and everything um and he had like obviously an overall strong performance throughout the whole season like um that's steph curry he doesn't change very much um but yeah so when that omicron thing happened i think that a lot of the players opted out of coming to canada coming to toronto because obviously we don't have any fans in the audience right now. Um, we're the only place in the NBA where there's not any fans. So that's kind of um, that as well as I guess the Omicron situation as well kind of affected that. So it, it let a lot of fans down because a lot of people came and bought those tickets for crazy prices just to come see Steph Curry, right? For the first yeah. time this whole season. And maybe for the first time in the past, like, I guess, two, three years. Right. Yeah, probably would have been since the last the 2019-2020 season. I remember yeah, exactly. uh, 
Golden State came to Toronto on Christmas. Yeah. I'm not mistaken, 2019. I know my friends went to that. And uh, I don't remember if they came ever since. That's kind of crazy to say that, like, two years ago this time. Yeah. Was the last time Golden State was in Toronto with their full-fledged team. Yeah. Um, and, like, their full-fledged yeah. team. And Clay Thompson, he's been back. For, yeah. Played for the first time ever since playing Toronto back in, what, June of 2019? Wow, mm-hmm. I was in grade 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess you can speak on that. He had a pretty good game back, 17 points. Yeah. Um, I remember watching the highlights on that because I was pretty excited. Um, obviously, I'm a big Toronto Raptors fan, but, um, you know, being a point guard in high school, too. So I kind of like, you know, always looked up to, you know, Stephen Curry, the Splash Bros, those sorts of things. So um, it was pretty exciting to have him back. Um, but yeah, Clay, he looked like he, nothing ever happened to him almost. <laughs> like yeah, he's, yeah. he had 17 points um, straight out, like on the first game back. Um, obviously fit the dynamic pretty well. Fans were pretty excited. Um, I don't know if you saw on uh, social media or any of the highlights, you know, the bench going crazy when he, uh, when he posted, I think that was the second point that he, uh, the second uh, field goal that he made. So um, yeah. that was pretty exciting. And I think that's a positive, I think coming out of all of this, right. The fact that, you know, we talked about Omicron, we talked about how it's like negatively affecting a lot of these sports leagues and the fans and, you know, the players, but now I think that like, you know, this is a good opportunity to talk about the positive things, right? So um, yeah, I think it's something that we should be excited to see. And uh, I think as of now with the sports leagues and everything, we can kind of fo- focus our attention on like, you know, the little things that happen that are uh, positive and things that we can get excited about. No, yeah, for sure. Um, like you talk about a player's confidence that the two years not playing, like, yeah, I remember seeing a clip where like the first playbook was uh, supposed to be it sets up to Curry on a three-point line and, you know, Clay just drove in. Yeah. Um, speaks a lot about players' confidence. Like you look at the NHL, Genny Malkin, you know, been injured since May, had surgery, yeah. um, came back to almost, what, 10 months not playing and scored two goals and, a point, and like an assist. Mm-hmm. Could have gone for the hat trick, but decided to be a nice guy and pass the Carter for the empty net goal. But, um, you know, we can even talk about like the Raptors going back to COVID like the Raptors like COVID 74 74 minutes before tip-off you want to speak on that yeah um so I think that what happened was was that like 70 minutes 74 minutes before tip-off um they had to play the Cavaliers and um I think what happened was is that I think everyone pretty much on the Toronto Raptors team was like either in COVID protocol or had COVID um and I think that kind of came from um I think it started with Maasai um Giants of Africa um, even um, Nav, the super fan, literally the most loyal guy to the Raptors ever also was in quarantine because of that too. So um, he wasn't even able to attend. So imagine a guy that, you know, has gone to every single Raptor game since like the beginning of time is not able to go because of COVID, right? So it kind of breaks those traditions there. But um, yeah, so we were essentially going to give up a blowout loss against the Cavaliers because we essentially had to play with like the back end of our bench right so um yeah so now but now it's almost become the flip side now when (laughs) you look at the games now um the Toronto Raptors are completely healthy and everybody else is like missing players you know they're getting players from their G leagues and like you know recruiting like retired players and stuff like that to come up and play so now we're essentially like you know on the flip side here now that where we're like essentially beating teams because we have a pretty much a full healthy team and now everyone is like kind of like in our situation that we started off with. So um, yeah, 
kind of crazy there. Um, and I think another thing that we should touch on is the fact that, you know, um, what are we going to do now um, with these new protocols in place, right? Obviously, Omicron, we've kind of realized, um, like, the symptoms that we get from it, obviously. It's super uh, transmissible, hypertransmissibility, um, as you could call it. But at the same time, um, the effects, I guess, or the symptoms are not seeming to be as bad. So um, we're kind of looking at like, you know, how that's going to affect major sports leagues now, especially because of, you know, especially in the NBA, um, high vaccine rates, obviously, because of that's kind of like almost mandated now um, in certain areas, as well as we're looking at the types of players that are playing too as well, right? So obviously these players are young and fit and, you know, they're extremely healthy in comparison to the, you know, the average person. Um, so, and a lot of them are testing positive, but their severity and their symptoms are not as bad or they're even asymptomatic. So how is that going to play out now? Yeah, like speaking of what you just said, like I remember in a, an NCAA article coming out, like um, if I remember correctly, it was like the title, athletes who have COVID are now considered fully vaccinated just because of like the, how the, the dynamic of athletes are like, they are very fit people, like the mm -hmm. whole dynamic of COVID and how like obesity can translate to the effects of COVID, et cetera. Um, you look at athletes, they're like one of the most fit people in the world. And, you know, according to the NCAA, that like, if I'm, if I didn't, if I'm mistaken, um, it's not going to matter as much if a player tests positive a few months from now. Um, yeah. It's not going to have the same effects where they have to go through the rigorous quarantine, et cetera, just because they are athletes, they're fully vaccinated, so they should be fine to go. Um, yeah. And like, that's going to be something that, in the future is going to be eventually coming like as long as players get their vaccines getting their boosters um yeah and their immunity is good that they're gonna be good to go no matter what the um the rapid test says or the pcr test so yeah um so i think that like we're seeing here like that kind of transition into what's covid going to become is it going to become something that, like obviously it started off as something that was like extremely scary worldwide pandemic um you know affected not just these sports leagues but everyone right in many different ways um, so now we're kind of see like, are we seeing a die off almost, or like, what is, what is the next steps in terms of that? Right. Um, and with, you know, the decrease in protocols and in terms of like, oh, the quarantine dates, like now going from 10 till five or 10 till six. Right. Um, now I, maybe it's not just, not, maybe it's just not becoming a, a huge of a concern anymore in some of these leagues. Um, obviously in, you know, areas like Toronto, for example, like, cases have been skyrocketing skyrocketing amongst the general public, right? Um, but can, do we think that like, I guess, sports leagues kind of have more control, are gonna have more control over their players um, and are gonna prioritize the fact that, you know, they want their players to play, generate revenue for them, um, you know, obviously provide entertainment um, to fans. Um, is this going to be something that they're gonna prioritize over, you know, some of these protocols now going forward? I, I think they're gonna be forced to. Um, I can read out this Brad Marsh and tweet, and like players are getting pretty frustrated right now on how the like, COVID mm -hmm. protocols are going. Right? It's the um, it's the second season this has happened, um, and you eventually like, they're gonna have to like transition out of this where a COVID a positive COVID test doesn't mean as much as it did a year ago, right? Like reading this Brad Marsh and tweet, you know, going back to the Olympics and if NHL players are going or not. Like what he tweeted out the other day was quote at the NHL and at the NHL PA can change the rules of the CBA to add the taxi squad so they don't miss any games or don't lose any money. 
which has already which has already been agreed upon that the players will pay back in escrow until the owners have made back the money they lost during the pandemic. Regardless how many games are missed, yet they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so they can honor the agreement they made with the NHL players can go. Please tell me why this is not BS. And all of you who want to pipe back about forfeiting play while being gone, yeah, not a problem. Let the players make their choices. So essentially what this tweet is talking about is um, once the NHL introduced the taxi squad and all the revenue that the uh, owners lost out on during the pandemic season, right now players are paying for all the lost men, all the lost money. And that's going to continue to happen until all the owners make back all the lost money during that pandemic season. And what Brad Marchand is talking about here is that there was an agreement, but the NHL and the uh, NHL PA, the NHL players would be going to the Olympics. Well, because of Omicron, um, the agreement is tarnished and the NHL players are no longer going and many players are frustrated. They're like, like okay, they get that they're they get their COVID's going their COVID's going around, that owners would be pissed if they have the quarantine back, but at the same time they're losing money out of their pockets to pay owners back. So why can't they make their own choices? Yeah. Um, there's even been talks about players going to retirement for a week just to go to the Olympics and come back. Um, and players are getting angry. So it's like like you mentioned before, like eventually like eventually the system's going to have to change and players can't be quarantined for like two weeks just because of a positive test. Like, like I said, Brad Marchand, he wants to play in the Olympics. Like going back to the world juniors, like the Olympics is probably the highest level of hockey any NHL player can play. And NHL hasn't been there since 2014. Um, I don't know. What do you make of the, of this tweet? Um, I think it's super interesting. Um, It definitely shows like, I guess the dynamic of like how, players feel um, versus like, I guess, an association on this whole topic, I guess. Um, but it's definitely understandable from his perspective that, you know, he's probably, he's very upset and angry and like, he's not able to, you know, um, shine the way that he wants to in a specific, I guess, event and area. Um, but at the same time, like we got to consider whether or not, like, again, these are moves that are valid um, by the NHL mm-hmm. and like also going forward um, into the Olympics as well. So it's something that we kind of have to see how that plays out, but hopefully, um, you know, they will get a shot to play soon. And, um, you know, COVID doesn't have a lingering effect on it too long. Yeah. Hopefully Crosby McDavid can still be around 2026. <laughs> yeah. Great Olympics. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think that's where we're going to stop the podcast here. Um we really appreciate everyone listening today. Um, and I hope that you guys noted down that keyword as well. Um, we will ha- be having an episode three coming out soon with a special guest. So make sure that you guys uh, are on the lookout for that near the end of January. But otherwise, make sure that you're keeping up with us on social media, um, looking out for any of the SML events that we have going on. And if you have any other topics um, of discussion that you want us to talk about or any guests that you would like to have on the podcast you would like to hear from, um feel free to shoot us a dm on instagram and um yeah we can definitely get that going for you guys but otherwise um hope everyone stays safe and continue to keep up with all these sports leagues and um yeah uh wish you all the best and we'll see you next time